On this episode of the Fear Me Out podcast, Justine Hamilton and I welcome Seth Epstein onto the show. Seth is a 50-year-old man. He's a father of three sons, and he wanted to come on the podcast to talk a bit about his regrets at not being as present to his sons as he could have been growing up. I know that this is a really common problem for for men and their children, that they're, they're sometimes very preoccupied with their work and not enough time spent with their children. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Seth talking about regrets as a father and his journey toward healing. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we open up to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. Coming to you from our studio in Santa Barbara, California, this is the Fear Me Out podcast. We're not your typical self-help program. Our show takes a deep dive into those psychological issues that affect us on a daily basis. We hope to shift your perspective and have you experiencing emotions differently. Now with Dr. Dana Saperstein. Welcome to the Fear Me Out podcast. Today, Justine Hamilton and I are going to interview Seth Epstein. And Seth graciously agreed to come on the podcast to talk about his, his role as a father and even some of the regrets he may have. Um, I think it's a, it'll be a really interesting discussion because he's the father of three boys, twins and a younger son. And um, how old are you, son? Uh, two that are 19 and one that's 18. And how old are you? Uh, 55. Okay. So as a 55-year-old man, you're doing some soul-searching and reevaluating your role as a dad. Is that fair to say? Fair to say. Okay. So before we, we go any further, who is Seth Epstein? Uh, let's see. Uh, professionally, I'll, I'll start there. Um, I have spent the majority of my career in uh, making television commercials um, as a director and also owner of a commercial production company. Um, so my life has been, uh, my life's work to date is uh, advertising. So I've been in advertising. Um, my, the other side of it is um, I have, I've been married for 25 years uh, three boys, 19, 19, and 18. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of a quick snapshot. Okay. And uh, you, you have another business also? Yeah, we're, we're, um, we have a drink called Ysidro. Uh It's myself, Monica, my wife, and Alex Dasuki. And are you comfortable talking a little bit about that business and, sure. and what it's all about? Sure. It's delicious. It's very delicious. <laughs> okay. If you drink alcohol, it's very That's a delicious. good start. If you don't, don't drink it. It's a, so it happened during COVID. Um, Monica had a dream um, that we created a drink with Alex. And the next morning we w- took a walk on Miramar Beach and Alex was walking the opposite direction. And I, Monica, I said, Alex, Monica had a dream about you. And he had this very funny expression and <laughs> i think most men would if they're if, they, yeah. if somebody else's wife had a dream about them right exactly <laughs> like what kind of dream mm-hmm. it's exactly what he said <laughs> yeah. and um and we we did drink together and this and this and this and he comes from the wine business and just standing in a circle there you know i said let's do it let's make this happen and so that started a journey 16 months from that time to when the drink was physically in people's hands and it's been a, it's been out about a year now, and it's in a, about 130 accounts, and it's growing, and it's it's just yeah, it's been a really cool, it's been really cool, particularly because Monica not had stayed at arm's length initially, and then started diving into it, and has really found is very passionate about it, and uh-huh. has, is is stepped in as a leader, so it's really cool. And besides being delicious, what's the nature of the the drink? Yeah. Uh, so it's a spritz. It's it's a sparkling drink made with sake as the base. Oh. And it's got grapefruit and sea salt. Wow. Um, so it's like a it's sort of a tart but sweet uh, sparkling drink. 
Um, made with sake, which I've never heard being combined in this way. Yeah, it's, we're not, it was one of those, this whole project's been sort of uh, a function of a lot of things, random conversations and the right things falling at the right time. Yeah, we were looking for an alcohol that was very smooth and elevated and could carry flavor, but was nuanced. And Alex coming from the wine business didn't, we didn't like the aftertaste of inexpensive alcohols. And so we, uh, somebody just on a fluke said, you know, you should look at a sake. Wow. And we were, we did not see that one coming. And so we no. went to the store and we tried it and we were like, wow, they were not kidding. And so that, that started that journey, which there's a whole another backstory there, which would right. take too much time. But Justine, what do you think of the taste? Well, I think it's delicious. I mean, what also is so nice about it is it's, it's canned and like this beautiful packaging, this light pink with like the mountains behind it. And I mean, the packaging is good and it's, it's really taken over sort of this, the Aperol spritz market where people love it. And, you know, every store that you go into, they just keep buying it and buying it. So, yeah. so before good. we get into the meat of our conversation, how would somebody find this beverage if they wanted to try it? Um, so they go on the website and there's a uh, store locator. So yasidro.com which is Y-S-I-D-R-O.com. Um, and then if you're in Santa Barbara area, it's a lot of, Everywhere. I mean, it's a lot of places. Um, it's in restaurants, it's in grab and go, it's in some uh, markets, the, the uh, I guess, I can't remember, it's seven points. Um, so okay. on the site, you can, you can see where, or I can, or we'll deliver it to your door. Oh, cool. And can you deliver it outside the United States? Not outside the United States. Yeah. and Just California, right? Uh, In-store, just in California, we can ship wherever alcohol can be shipped in the United States. Oh, okay. So people can order and, and try it. Well, so we'll, we'll have some sad listeners in other countries who uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah. just have to wait till they come here on vacation, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a whole nother ball of wax, but maybe someday. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about where you come from. Uh, let's start there. How about that? Uh, let's see. So grew up in Northern California in Carmel. My dad was a school teacher, a, a college professor, taught humanities. Um, my mom was a consultant, uh, which business consultant, which meant, um, she worked with companies. She worked with companies and, um, helped was very early on in the, um, women's movement. Um, particularly related to women in the workforce, stress management, et cetera. So she did a lot of seminars and things like that. Um, that was, yeah, so that's that's been her, her work. Eventually she um, found that uh, the work she was doing, uh, she, she's always, she was, the key point there is she was always interested in, in, um, in growing and learning. And, and so when I grew up, I had walls of, Tony Robbins wasn't was just coming out, but it was Brian Tracy and Les. Um, I can't remember his name. There's a bunch of motivational books on the shelf, so that kind of okay. triggered. That was one side of my upbringing was being exposed to self development, and then the other side, my dad's side, was he was a sort of a very zeny f- philosopher, and so I kind of have my upbringing was was. One side was the business motivation, self-development, and the other side was, you know, uh, Zen, religion, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, all blended together. So um, eventually they, they really were almost like, think of it as almost like right brain, left brain type. Right. Was there one you were more drawn to growing up? Yeah, I was more drawn to, um, well, I loved my dad, so I... I you know, I just, I loved that side of it, but I also, I really liked the energy I got from the, the, uh, self-development stuff. I really, I, for some reason was very driven as a pretty early. And so I, I really liked, I really liked that. I found that the motivational stuff helped what I didn't really know at that time at, at that age, you know, AD, ADD, ADHD wasn't really a thing. So I found that by getting myself very motivated, I could actually get things done. Oh, okay. Just getting things done was incredibly difficult. Like just the basics, you know? <laughs> so like, like I just had to motivate. 
the heck out of myself just to get things done. And so that's why I was attracted to that. The other side was the Zen, the Zen sort of more enlightened side, if you will, more peaceful side. Also, while I was attracted to it, I was also repelled by it. Interesting. So I, what was, I mean, the attraction seems self-evident, but what about the part that repelled you? Say that again? Uh, the attraction part of it seems pretty yeah. self-explanatory, but what about the part you didn't like? What was it that was not acceptable to you or that you didn't really appreciate? Yeah, so, and it's been a dichotomy for me the, my whole life. The wooey-wooey part versus the results part. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And so I... I sort of looked at the the people in my dad's orbit and circle, and you know we it was Big Sur, it was Garapata, it was it was the um, Palo, Palo Colorado Canyon, it was all of oh. the, he, you know we moved to California because he wanted to be in that movement in the late '60s, right? And um, so it was uh, it I I really struggled with the the wooey feeling. Uh, more esoteric and then I had on the other side of it a German mom who was you know making things happen making things happen (laughs) and um, so as a kid I think growing up I don't you know you're not sitting there eval I I wasn't evaluating right which path so I've I've, it's a it's a fascinating thing to look back now and look at my the way I've constructed my life do you Uh, have siblings I have two sisters yeah and older younger Uh, two older yeah, one boat, uh, one seven years older, one's a year and a half older. And were they, were you much involved in each other's lives? Yeah, growing growing up specifically, uh, Nikki, my sister, was closest to me. We were we were, you know, very similar in age and close. Um, Tina, my older sister, was only when I was a little bit older that we became very close. But okay. um, growing up, she she didn't like us. <laughs> well, she had her your your parents for a good long period of time before you guys appeared on the on the scene. So I could see how she might be very uh, jealous yeah. of you know interlopers. Yeah, it was a it was a it was not a uh, hospitable. Uh, Did she give you a hard time when you were a kid? More of a cold shoulder. It wasn't oh, hard time. Okay. Doesn't really. It was more of just complete. Just, we just ignored. <laughs> just we were just so annoying to her. It was, it was just, and we were. And both your sisters are pretty successful as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We've we've. What's fascinating, the thing we talk about all the time is how was it? We grew up in a very broken home in the sense of my parents were extremely different. They grew up, they got married because they were Jewish and they met each other at that right time in life in San Francisco, and that's what you did. You married one of your kind, and and you know that was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget forget the rest of it. It was like. You know, this is... Well, it was probably, oh, opposites attract. This will work out well. <laughs> I don't... I think that's a... Yeah, I don't... I think that might be overthinking it. Um, <laughs> You're giving um, it too much credit. Yeah, to don't, totally. Well. I don't... I don't... Yeah, I think it was... It, I don't think it was that complex. Um, so what were they like? I mean, were they at war with each other most of the time? My or? parents? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I... So my mother sacrificed a lot. Um, and only later did I learn, did I really truly understand it? Um, I was, I, I was kind of mad at my mom growing up, you know, but what I didn't realize is she was the one working and and making, keeping the house steady. She was gone a lot on trips, but I didn't understand it was like serious necessity. Um, my father, my father and my mother, when I was about four or five separated, Oh, okay. And then he was living down in Big Sur in the canyon. And um, my mom was kind of holding it all together. And they would try to make it work. And so they came back together and they built a, on our property, they built a little one-room studio. And my dad lived there. So he was on the property, but they weren't together, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. Because they'd be around the kids. Um, And it just was, uh, it was a, yeah, it was a very, it was a very, uh, unstable environment. I just didn't know if my dad was going to be around or not. I didn't know. I just, I didn't know if anybody's going to be around or not. And, um, so you took care of yourself a lot. Is that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. From uh, my first job was when I was, um, nine. And, uh, what were you doing as a washing, nine? washing tennis courts? Wow. <laughs> I would ride my bike to wash the tennis courts in Carmel of all places. Yeah. In Carmel Valley. And, yeah. um, and that's how we were able to afford to be able for me to 
be at this uh, club was I would, oh, it was sort okay. of an exchange. Didn't you tell me once something about you, you're, you would just find money on the table and that was how you had to eat? Yeah, it was a note. There was usually a note. I'll be gone. I'll be back next Sunday and then there'll wow. be some money on the table. And then so it was me and Nikki and I or, or Tina. I don't, I'm sure Tina was around at one point, but she left, she wanted out. So mm-hmm. um, by that time, I think she had, she was. And she was if your dad was on the property, was he involved or was he just doing his own thing? He was doing his own thing. He was, he was wherever he was. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a no, a kind of a wanderer. Um, it, it only became, it was pretty obvious at the time, but it, he was a closet gay man mm-hmm. and he didn't know he, I shouldn't say it, he knew, but he, it, at that time in culture, it wasn't, you, you just wouldn't come out and, and, and say it. So it was sort of this thing that I, if I would, if I had, I didn't want to see it, mm-hmm. if you will, I couldn't, it it didn't read like it probably wasn't on my at that time it wasn't on my register that that was po- a possibility right so i wasn't really registering his friends and his his choices and where he was or where he wasn't or where he was living i didn't put all the uh pieces together uh, even though it was plainly obvious and how did that all come to fruition for you when you really kind of understood that was the scenario and and that your mom was the one that had been like holding it all together for so many years while you were angry. Yeah. Um, it was when I, when I had started to do a lot of self-development work in my early, uh, twenties, um, I had a, uh, coach slash, I don't know what you would call her, but she was, she's why I'm sitting here today. Um, a woman named Patricia McDade, and she had said to me at the time I was in my or 23 or something like that. And she had said to me, um, until you're complete with your parents, uh, you won't be able to achieve anything that you're trying, you're going out to achieve. Mm-hmm. It's you're, you're, you're stuck. Because you had started with her like a, as a professional coach? As a business, yeah, as a business coach. But it was part of a, a course called the Entrepreneurial Edge at the time. And it she had been part of Warner Earhart's, um, Est had broken off at a certain point and, uh, was leading a course. The coach, you know, and when, if, if Patricia gave me coaching, I took it. That was like, like that was part of, I was so committed to, I was, I was so committed that I was like, I'll, whatever, I'll take the coaching. Um, so it was early. I had had a business failure. I had started a clothing company when I was 18 and uh, by accident, I'd painted on some jeans, some graffiti on jeans. Nordstrom saw them. They bought it. And I had a company all of a sudden. And eventually that company failed. And I was so broken up about it, I couldn't. I was like, why did it fail? Where are all these blind spots? So I decided, like, well, the common denominator was me. So I started do, looking for help, if you will, and in the form of courses. Mm-hmm. So I grew up you know, the seeing Tony Robbins things and on the shelf. So I was like, I'm going to go do a Makes sense. course and try to fix myself. Basically that was the idea. And so that's how I eventually met Patricia, um, which is a little bit off topic of, of, you know, realizing when my dad kind of putting the pieces together with my dad and my mom, but the, the, the transformative moment with my mom was really out of that work with Patricia and her giving me that coaching and I remember I was in my car, um, and I called my mom, and we and and we had a long conversation, and it was really stunning because I had no idea her side of the story. Mm. I had I my dad was so um, gentle and so sweet and around a lot and caring and sensitive and a poet and a writer and you know he was he he really we spent a lot of time together. And I, my mom was out there just trying to keep the house afloat kind of a thing. And, um, so it was really interesting to hear. It was all, it was a, it was, it was an interesting awakening to see the sacrifice my mom made. And you're just kind of like, huh, this is what's been going on. Yes. There, and, and I think both of them had a lot of, um, emotional, uh, baggage, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, towards each other. That was unresolved, but, um, uh, yeah, so that was, that was the, that was the putting the pieces together 
was the coaching that I got, which was until you're complete with your parents, you, you it's sort of you can't pass go right. kind of a thing, um, which was profound. I wouldn't which which was was much was a much bigger piece of coaching um, because that's ultimately I met Monica and, you know, et cetera. So. So where did you meet Monica? Um, so Monica came, uh, trying to think how much of the story to tell you, but, um, (laughs) she came into work. She came in for an interview to, to your, to my company. And at that time it was in Santa Monica. It was a company called fuel, um, which was a motion graphics company. Um, and she had seen our real, our video demo video of about the company and the, the music underneath it was the beastie boys. And she saw it at a friend's house who was showing her, oh, my husband works for this company. And she saw it and she's like, I'm going to work there. Come on, just like that? Yeah, because the music of the Beastie Boys. And she loved she the Beastie didn't Boys. have any background in that no. at all, right? No background. Yeah. She just was like... This know, is the way want, she works. <laughs> yeah, just vibration, whatever yes. you want to call it. She's like, I'm going to work there. And so she called me and said, hey, do you have, you know, Val gave me your number. Do you have a job? I'd like to come interview and I said I don't have any jobs right now and she said well I'll come in for an informational interview and I said I don't even know what that is <laughs> so, I think she invented it <laughs> and I, she's like well it means you interview me and then when a job comes up you know that I'm around oh okay and I was like okay because she worked had worked for the gap and that's what they do they keep a lot of people oh okay in okay rotation so one morning she uh, she was very persistent to come in for an interview so one morning the door opened and she walked in and the instant I saw her, the, whatever the powers that be said to me, that is your wife. And so the instant I saw her, I knew I was going to marry her. Wow. And, uh, and then on our first official date, I asked her to marry me. (laughs) On the first date? On the first date. We were driving here to Santa Barbara and I said, we were driving along up, you know, in Ventura. And I said, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're going to get married. And it was one of those, you know, I can see it now, but eight, the, whether it's ADHD that I have or ADHD, you say a bunch of stuff you don't right. out loud that you're not. That and you're, then you look back and did I say that? Yeah, and, and it hap- and it and it's I, it happens a lot. And so um, I sort of it was one of those moments where it came out of my mouth midair, and it's just like you're, you yeah. know, it's like slow motion trying to claw it back, and it landed, and you're just you don't you just shut up, you well, know. How did she receive it though? There was silence, and then uh, and then she said, "Yeah, I think you're right." Wow. And, and so, so she was on board also. Yeah. It, so the story is I hired her. Oh, okay. So I hired her to come work there and step two days, number one to a wife, huh? <laughs> step number one, step to number a wife. one hire her. Um, <laughs> yeah. And cause yeah, I, I, I was truthfully, I was working seven days a week. That's oh, not okay. a joke. I was working seven days a week. I would come in at, you know, eight, nine in the morning and stay till midnight every day. I, I wouldn't have met oh. anybody. Uh, I had a heart, I, you know, at that point in my life. And so the, um, uh, she came in, she got it. She, she came in, we, she, she started as a production assistant and she was just doing everything around the office and I had to leave for Asia for two weeks. And so I left to Asia. Um, and the only office that was, was available was my office. So she sat in my area. And then during that time, the way she tells it is that she sort of fell in love with my sayings on the wall and you know objects and rocks and whatever I had in my office and so then when I came back from Asia she picked me up at the airport and we just sat in the car and talked for like four hours and that was kind of pretty obvious wow yeah and so you guys got married shortly thereafter yeah pretty pretty yeah like two years I think two year year and a half later or something like that so um again part of the reason why you came here were sort of arriving Close to that uh, idea of being a dad. Mm-hmm. So um, you guys have three kids. Uh, where, like, wh- when you first had your kids, what was your feeling about being a dad? Do you remember? Because um, it sounds like you had a really lovely dad in a certain way. and that Oh, he- yeah, for sure. For sure, he was a great dad. Um, I've always wanted to have kids. So for me, it was never a question of, like, do I want to have kids or not? Thrilled to have kids like that's uh that was definitely on the radar okay um the 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 paradox of it has been that 
much like that push and pull that we talked about earlier of sort of right brain, left brain, Zen versus business. Right. Um, that has been, that has played out on the playing field with how I've raised, how the boys have been raised. And so I sort of emulated my mother and my father in the sense that I w- haven't been around. So, so despite your best intentions, you found yourself continuing to work. I mean, it sounds like you're working like a maniac during that, during when you first met Monica. Was, did she have any objection to how hard you were working? I mean, did she try to get you to slow down at all or? No, I mean, it's, 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 I think that's part of um, what we connect over is Monica is a, grew up with a, a pretty tough upbringing. She's, she, she's super resilient and loves to work as well. Oh, okay. And so I think that's one thing that brought us together. And she would just hang out with me at work. Oh, okay. So, so she know, continued to work for you. Huh? She yeah. she was working for you and stayed working after you guys got married. Yeah. And then how long were you together before you had had your children? Um. So probably about five years, six oh, years. Okay. So you had a good long period of time of getting to know each other and yeah, and connecting and all that before you brought yeah little monkeys into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like you. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like just knowing the both of you, you knew that Monica would be there to take care of the boys. And it wasn't an issue where if you, if, if you wanted to work, you could, because she would have it covered for you. And so that was some peace around you continuing to do, you know, the hard work, the long days, et cetera. Yeah. So we, early on, before we had kids, um, I, in, uh, in this period, in my period, in, in my twenties, specifically in my twenties, well, twenties and thirties, but in my twenties, I was, I would, if somebody had said there was a workshop, I was like, great, I'm in. They're like, do you don't even know what it's about? Like, sounds good to me. And mm-hmm. I would do it, you know, cause I was just like, let's go. And, um, and so, uh, one of the things I did was Sterling men's weekend, mid, mid nineties, early mid nineties. And it was a huge, it was a hugely important, hugely important for me. Uh, I did not have a a male role model growing up. I didn't know what being like, I didn't understand what my, what male, I didn't know how to be with male energy. I'd grown up with a very, uh, a father that didn't, you know, we, we didn't go out and do sports. We didn't go out and, and, you know, throw rocks or, you know, just do shit, you know? And it was very always very enlightened and zenny and stuff. So I never really knew it, competitively. I had played competitive sports kids, but as a kid, but I did, never really was able to use that energy, that very sort of primal energy. The reason I bring that up is because um, I did that workshop, and then I said to Monica, "You know, you should do the women's weekend," and she did. And the reason that's significant to your point is because Sterling, as controversial as he is, is much. Or, or was, I'm not sure if he's around, but it is very much sort of this male-female yin-yang dynamic. The, the man is a man and should embrace all the, all the sides of it, and, and the, the woman is, is, is different, and, and they aren't, they, the energies are, are, are yin and yang, complementary. They fit well together when you have this idea of polarity. And so Monica and I sort of dropped into that. It made sense to us. It worked, and... Monica's always been like super supportive, like work, go do your thing. I'm here. Mm-hmm. You got nothing to worry about. And, um, and that's truly been the way that it has been for 25 years. She's just the most solid anchor doesn't move off of yeah. center no matter what. So it's been a, it's been, I, uh, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do what we've done both professionally and personally without Monica's just unmovable, just unmovable. So, you know, she'd be like, yeah, go ahead, do what you got to do. And do you feel like the way you've been as a father to the boys is sort of the way you were raised with the parents where you're modeling the work, 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 work that your mom had, but at the same time, when it comes to discipline or interaction or stuff that you're supposed to, you know, I don't know, you you got got to discipline these kids sometime, you're taking the approach that you saw from your dad where it is a little bit softer and Mm -hmm. gentler. And 
has that backfired for you? <laughs> you have that's Monica. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, did you talk to Monica before the podcast? I did yeah. not. <laughs> did you give Wait, me, did she prep did that question? Yeah. That's right. Um, did she prep you? <laughs> I've got a few more for you. <laughs> right, yeah. And that's question number one. Um, yeah, I think the um, there was a there was something that was said to me by Warner Earhart. Actually, he said um, he said, you know, your kids are. He said something effective. I've seen kid the same kids raised in the same household under the exact same conditions. Complete one turns out as a as a as a, a felon, and the other turns out as a as a Nobel Peace Prize winner, and. And they've grew up in the exact same environment. Mm-hmm. So for you to think that you have this perfect, that your parenting is somehow going to um, transform their being and the way that they are in the world, like give it up. And I'm paraphrasing radically there, but but I to me, the, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, it also was convenient because it fit my my model anyway so i was like oh i'll buy that yeah it um, gives you a hall pass not to be there right totally right. i was yeah. like yeah that sounds perfect yeah so so your your monica monica's um uh way of being and her her sort of uh, unflinching being there allowed me to do to to sort of uh yeah not be around and em- in a lot of respects emulate both my father and my mother mm-hmm. so my mother on the business working providing side Mm -hmm. and then my father on the um i'm here i'm not here kind of a thing so when and i also just want to say when we started talking about you coming on this podcast i wanted you to come on and talk about something around your creativity and your art and it was your idea that said, you know, you want to come on and talk about these regrets that you have. And I just want to commend you for that because I think this is a really common scenario that a lot of men your age come to terms with where you've been chasing one thing and then you get to a point in your life where it's like, hmm, maybe I should have done things a little bit differently. So thank you for that. And also, when did that start happening for you? When when were you like, oh, crap? I have been working, 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 and now I've missed out on some of these moments with my wife and my boys. Like, when when did that start coming to fruition to you? So COVID was was for sure it was the was the uh, yeah was the foreseen was the force the outside force because all of a sudden you were home now you saw what was happening right. in the household every day. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's what it, what is that saying? Some, you know, something in motion stays in motion unless acted on outside force. It was like, I, I you know, there's a certain amount, there's a high degree of autopilot. Mm-hmm. Though if you had asked me during the time, I was like, I'm acting on my free will. This is my choice. Um, but uh, COVID was uh, taking, you know, if you, if you take out all of the, the, tragedy associated with covid and if 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 i look at it glass half full um it was the thing that need that i needed like to put a you know i mean it put a stop on everything right mm-hmm. i couldn't drive back and forth to la every other day or every week <clears throat> um i couldn't travel i couldn't go to new york i couldn't i couldn't that was i was it was that was it and so um so that was really the beginning of of um yeah that was the really the the beginning of it what was going through your head when all of a sudden you were at home more and seeing life unravel not unravel but just be and you're like huh okay I've missed out on a little bit of this yeah it's a little um so 50 let's see I'm 55 so it's probably 53 or 52 Mm -hmm. um You know, it's not, it, it's not like there's, there, it, it's been a slow, um, it's been a, it's been a process. It hasn't been like this, getting hit with this realization, even though there have been many re, re, uh, realizations. The, the, I really, it, it's, 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 
you, you know, this idea of do you take for granted? You know, I, I took, I took, I took, and I do take a lot for granted. I mean, it's just, I, I do. I just, I look at how, I look at the age that I'm at. I look at Monica and I look at the life we've lived together and I realize that how, you know, how, how lucky I've been with, with, particularly with Monica and with the boys. And, um, and, and at the same time I walk in our, in our house, we have a stairwell with pictures, you know, from trips. Um, and I look at those pictures and I feel like, wow, I, as if it was somebody else's life and disconnected. And we would, Monica, we would, Monica, when the boys were pretty early, she's very adventurous. So she was like, we're going to go on trips every summer. We're going to rent our house out and we're going to go to places. And so she came up with Portugal because it has waves and the boys like the surf. And so she's like, we're going to Portugal on June 3rd to June 20th, whether you're going or not. And, and she would just book a trip and say, you show up, you know, because she knew that I was so, uh, uh, I don't know if the right word is addicted, but why not? Because that sounds, you know, addicted to work or addicted to being a certain way about travel, not wanting to make plans or not feeling comfortable making plans because I might, it might impact things. Um, and so, and many times I would go and then I would be half there, half not there. My head would be somewhere else. I'd be thinking I need to be working the whole time. So there's this ability, the, the ability to shut off work and to be somewhere and be present was, was not something I really was good at. So I could be in Portugal, but was not I really, really in Portugal? Yeah. So. And um, did you think your kids have, did you think they've noticed? Like, oh, for sure. How, how do you, well, like, what do you see in them that uh, uh, confirms that they really have been affected by your absence? You know, it, the thing I notice uh, for them is that they're cool with me being there and not being there. So they're a little bit indifferent? Uh-huh. Well, I do know that when I talked to your son, your youngest son, I said, well, what about your dad? And his response was, well, I really love my dad, but it's really my mom that raised me. That's right. So I, I think that, at least as far as he goes, he sort of knows yep. what responsibility. And I just thought, wow, that is really sad. I, I mean, because he's missing out on you, Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So have you spoken with them? Have you talked to them about all of this and tried to kind of make amends in some ways? No, I, 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 I haven't. And I don't... Uh, the way I've... You know, the... So the way I see, the way I see, the way I justify actually is the, is the way I'll, I'll say it now. The way I justify the, the way we've raised them is I, I really, I do believe in leading by, especially with, with boys. Monica will say, what did you guys do? You just hung out for three hours. Uh-huh. And I'll say, we just, we're hanging out for three hours. What'd you guys talk about? I say, not a lot. <laughs> she says, well, didn't you talk to him about the thing that I said you should probably talk to him about? I said, no, it didn't come up. Well, what did you talk about? Actually, not much. Monica, I feel your pain. <laughs> you know, I have these same conversations yeah. in my house. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because, uh, interestingly enough, my dad, we would talk, you know, he would bring things up and we'd talk about yeah. feelings and this and, and philosophies and ideas and one of the things I in Sterling that I really got was just be, just just mm-hmm. be. Don't just being together is is for men is powerful. Just to be, just just be there. Okay. And so for me, um, I've really with the with the boys, I've tried to just be with them and not put my agenda on them, not put my talking points on them as much as I can, and and be cool with the silence and be cool with, with not talking and just walking or driving and whatever we sort of chit chat about. And I've tried to lead by example as much as I can. That being said, I think the, the, I do think there's absolutely stuff to talk about with them. What's your hesitation? I don't, I, I, to be, it sounds naive. I've never even considered it a, it a problem. Really? Yeah. And they don't complain. So why would you consider it a problem if they're 
sort of uh, seem to have accepted the way that it is, except that you seem like a very insightful person and you, and you um, enjoyed the, the connection you had with your dad. Mm-hmm. And it just seems a little bit sad to me that your kids didn't get that same, uh, they didn't get as much sauce from you as they could have, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And I, I think that like there's some, like for example with um, Grayson, we do a trip, now we're doing it, we do a trip every year and each boy, I'm, we're uh, Weston, we're setting up a trip every year and Drake, we started doing that as well. So we'll, I will spend time with them um, more dedicated, but I definitely absolutely grew, they absolutely grew up without me being around and without, um, yeah, w- without a t- traditional like sports dads around every weekend, they definitely didn't have, um, maybe as much, well, certainly didn't not like my father. And certainly. if you brought up the subject with them, what are you concerned about how they might react? Um, not, no, not concerned. No, I, I will, I will bring it up with them and then I'll report back. <laughs> Well, the only reason I do that, let's say this is because, number one, I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I readily admit that. I grew up with with a very sort of emotionally preoccupied dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not unusual in Jewish families for the dad to be like working really hard and making money and loving his family that way mm-hmm. by being a really good provider and yep. all of that sort of thing. Especially, I mean, it doesn't sound like you came from poverty, but you you didn't come from wealth either, so your mom had to work really hard to support you guys, and your dad was doing his thing. So um, it's easy to kind of justify being at, at a bit of a distance. Yeah, that's accurate. I mean, I, we I I financial stress was a constant growing up. You know, I didn't we I couldn't buy shoes, so we had to shoe goo our shoes together. Yeah, yeah. and and I knew I knew we didn't have money. Um, I didn't know how bad it was. It was a lot worse than I knew. Right. But, you know, I'd eat just mac and cheese and, and all the time. And that's all uh-huh. that was around. And yeah, uh, I had jobs since I was nine, but yeah, the work, the work ethic thing, um, uh, through genetics, through osmosis, through modeling, whatever it is, the mm-hmm. idea of working hard to provide as like the way I show love, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's almost like the pattern has been repeated where now you're your mom and Monica is your dad, where Monica is stable and balanced and Zen and connecting with the boys sort of more on a mm-hmm. regular soft basis. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's just kind of the same scenario going forward. But if you're if your boys have emotional questions or something that is, you know, bothering them that will they come to you and ask you they'll go to monica they'll first. go to monica absolutely do you want this to be different i so so the my wiring is i'm completely good with that like i i'm like yeah that so you don't feel like you're missing anything really necessarily i don't i don't i don't there's no like you're, there's there there's I really it's very strange it's very strange to sort of hear myself say that because uh-huh. in a lot of ways you know I I would have thought I would be wanting more to be like emotionally connected to them uh-huh. um uh by talking through things sure um and uh we we do have conversations but we're not it's 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 um yeah, it's it. I it's strange. I, I don't. I don't feel like there. I don't feel like there's some. There's nothing wrong. I don't sit there and go, God, I really, I really, uh, I really blew it. Um, um, I feel like in in a. In, in, I wouldn't have predicted that I would be this father, this kind of father, growing oh, okay. up with the father I had. I would have expected being like this coddling, loving, sensitive, yeah, uh, dad who was always around and thinking of 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 making sure their concerns. I, I find myself much more of in the camp of, um, lead by example, be a good human being, um, show them model for them what being loving, uh, being, a, a, a being loving looks like in a family. Uh, the way I treat Monica, the way Monica and I interact, how I speak to Monica, 
It's it's strange though. There's a it's a it's a it's a I wouldn't have predicted it. I wouldn't have predicted that I would be this this father. I would have predicted I would have been the you know, the loving yeah. the loving father. Well, some of it would depend on your children and their requirements. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, it was hard to get my dad's attention. So I used to steal his clothes. I would wear his shirts and I'd sleep with his bathrobe as a blanket because I wanted to smell him all the time. And that's the way I connected with him as a little kid because he was preoccupied trying to figure out a way to survive. Um, And I remember feeling really desperate, but I don't know that your kids have had the same experience of feeling that desperate need to connect with you. So I'm not trying to, you know, because I know we're all different in that way. But I, I remember my dad would be wandering around the house screaming, where's my dad, you know, <laughs> clothes. And, I, and he, all he had to do was look for me and I'd either be wearing them yeah. or, you know, it would, his shirt would feel, be like a dress on me. Yeah. <laughs> and his robe was always on my bed because I just needed to have it all the time. Yeah. Do you feel like your boys are looking for that with you? Like a connection or where is he or I want to hang out with them or... You know, it's a, it's the funniest thing, you know, with, with, um, when COVID happened, you know, and the age they're at when they, they were, you know, 15, 16, 17, all that. The funny thing is when I was around, then they were totally uninterested. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it, it was, it, it, well. that's part of the paradox of this thing is that, is that I, by the time I kind of woke up that I wasn't around, if you will, uh, and kind of started to become present to what, yeah, that I wasn't around and I didn't, ex- I didn't really get to experience them. Uh, by that time, they were completely like, yeah, dad, just don't want to hang out. I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah. We're cool. Well, certainly as a teenager, I had yeah. no place in my life for my parents either. I mean, they were yeah. just an annoyance that got yeah. in the way. I didn't wear my father's clothes as a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> it was when I was a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think that's, and that's part two. I, I do see, I do see like this fate. I'm, I may, I'm realizing now kind of realizing how little time I do, whatever time I do have, whether it's one yeah. day or yeah. one year, or 10 years, I don't, you know, I don't know. But I think in the time I have left, I think part of the whole realization was like, all right, um, I'm going to be available for them. I'm going to, I'm going to be around. How and, will they know that? Uh, by literally just sitting, I'll just walk in the room and sit down and just sit there. Did they stare at you like, what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, usually it, it's like, I'm like, what's up? And they're like, nothing. I'm like, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> cool. And I'll sit there for a few and they're on their phone. They want to talk. I'm like, okay, see you later. It's just, to me, that's, I, it sounds, it, it sounds simple, but to me, that's just, that's, again, it's, it's, I, I feel like physically, physically being yeah. there uh, last night Drake and I went for a drive uh, in the car and and you know we don't have to talk about anything I just I think that this it's so interesting how be just being comfortable just being together is 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 something it's well you've a, come a long way meaning that you know you weren't home before so physically you weren't even there so now you're there and that's that that's meaningful and that's bringing depth to the relationship. Yeah. And I still, I'm still working. I'm working at the house and, yeah. and, and it, it's, you know, Drake walked in today and I was on a, on a call Yeah, and he's like, what's up? And I'm like, well, I'm on a call. Right. And so, you know, there's those moments where I'm like, here I am working, working away, um, you know, to provide. Right. And, you know, he, he wants whatever he wants in that moment. I think, you know, money, money could have been or, or money or maybe some money gas yeah. money gas money or you know i don't know whatever he whatever um but do you ever think about because when you tell the story about the connection that you had with your dad and the mm-hmm. philosophy that you would talk about and i don't know i just see it in you right now hearing about that how warm that was for your heart and how connected you felt to him do you ever feel bad that maybe your boys won't have that or do you think it might come later? Yeah, I think it's in the process of happening. Yeah. I, 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 that's I think why I feel the way I feel about it mm-hmm. is I, I, I think COVID happened. I definitely woke up and saw how much of life passed, and I went, okay, what am I going to put into place structurally that's going to 
sort of caused this to happen. So that start, the way it really started was um, Grayson and I did a golf trip to Bandon Dunes, and that was like the first. And then Drake and I did a surf trip uh, to a wave pool in Texas. And uh, I saw I, West and I haven't done the big trip yet, but we were talking about it last week. So it's this idea that each year for a week we're just going to go do go hang out. Um, so in a in a way, this is it. It's it's um, and I'm not pushing it off till I'm not going like, well, when I have this in place or that in place, like yeah. this is the priority. So I, it's I'm definitely late to the party on that front. Um, I didn't enjoy, you know, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's just that simple. Like the, it's it's. It's um, there were a, the the. It's it's stunning how I can look back and go how automatic, how automatic I lived out right. of, like... All a, of us. How little choice. Cho- I thought I had choice, but I wasn't choosing, mm-hmm. you know? You know, um, I think, and I don't mean to speak for you, but Justin, uh, Justine and I are sort of crying on the inside in a mm-hmm. certain way, wishing more for you, mm-hmm. because you're such a kind, uh, gentle man, and I, I just feel so bad that I want your kids to know you better, I guess. I and agree. I, I know that's not really fair because that's my agenda. We didn't bring you on the podcast to, but, <laughs> to throw you under the By bus. the way, this is an intervention. Not <laughs> yes, that's right. But the good thing is that because this is not a therapy session, mm-hmm. I can like, actually speak yeah. you know, about my feelings because <laughs> 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 I, I can't necessarily do yeah. that in my professional context, but you, you just seem like such a kind man that has so much love to offer. Mm. And I just feel sad that your kids, they may not really know you as well as they could. And that just seems heartbreaking to me. That's all. I mean, it's not a judgment of you as a person. It's that, how does this man not know how I important agree. he is to his kids and and how much they've, yeah, of course they've gotten used to it because you're not mean and you don't like, scare the crap out of him. You don't beat him up. You don't do any of the things that would alienate a kid and make, you know, him afraid of you. But I don't know that they know, uh, that they know that could have more access to you if you don't tell them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think there's a, I think that's a, there's definitely truth there. The wiring, one of the things that I had as a defense mechanism, uh, most really sort of as a default way of being was leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm working. Leave me alone. Yeah. Well, yeah, leave me alone and then follow with I'm working. Leave me alone. Uh-huh. I'm busy. Leave me alone. I'm in a, right. whatever. It doesn't pick your, pick your, but the, the, the sentence is leave me alone. And that's really been, that's really that sentence in all the work that I had done earlier in life really came out of, of wanting to be left alone because my parents, right like fighting and stuff. So I just leave me alone. You don't want any part of that. That makes so much sense. The only safe thing I've got is just leave me alone. Yeah. And so there's, um, going back to this sort of automatic way of being, um, I like to be left alone. Yeah. And so when, when, when the, so I'm good with, I'm good with no conflict. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I like to be, you know, I, I really do enjoy, Historic. I grew up with so much uh, space uh, that being alone is a very is a is a good space for me. Downside of that is that it um, you know you I can come off uh, the feedback I've gotten is I can come off as arm's length or mm-hmm. keep people at a distance right. or or uh, keep my kids at a distance you know that sort of a thing. Um, and yeah, and I think I I've never asked them. I've never said hey. Do you uh, feel like you have uh, access to me, or that I'm uh, a particularly warm and um, loving dad? I've never asked him, and I will, um, and we'll see what they say. But I think that, um, uh, yeah, and 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 it, it's in 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 some ways similar to my mom. When that conversation, when I had that conversation with my mom in my early twenties, uh-huh. our relationship flipped on its head. And yeah. so there is there in a, in a similar, and I've become extremely close with her. Um, uh, thank God. Yeah. You know, and I have a, and, and, and hearing her story and her side of life. And so do, do they know much about your story and your life and the boys? Yeah. 
they know they know the I think I think that you know it's it's they know the highlights if you will mm-hmm. the accomplishments and mm-hmm. the, they but know not the emotional like the what why you are the way you are in terms of arm's length leave me alone why that's a comfortable place for you no no they don't they don't know that can um, we have that conversation huh can we have that conversation i'll come over to the house <laughs> <laughs> you can lead it i'll lead it <laughs> yeah um yeah no i don't i don't think they no they don't they don't understand that you know the the interesting thing is that that um like i said i I've never, by the time they were probably at a point to even hear any of that, they were like, yeah, I'm not interested. I right. don't know right. why you're even talking to right. me. You're my dad. You're lame. Um, so um, I suspect those are conversations that will start happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, the transformation that I've seen in the boys the the from 16 to 17 to 18 to 19 is just so extraordinary. The amount of ground they cover emotionally is like crazy and I and I a lot of times I'll sit there and I'll think back to when I was that age and what I was going through and what how my parents advice landed and and how and how um how I took my parents advice Mm -hmm. and um it was a big like it was a serious turnoff like to hear advice from my parents and so I try not to I try not to give my kids advice. The fascinating thing is um, I'll say something like, hey, you guys, you know, who you surround yourself is really, really, I, we know, Dad, we've heard you say it before, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's funny, the things that, you know, you might, the advice or the or the little things, nudges, it's surprising what lands. Right, right. Um, I've been surprised at how much they do pick up. Um, you know, be, I talk, bunch of years ago it's like you know just be a mensch just be a good human being just that's to start there just mm-hmm. get that down mm-hmm. just don't don't worry about the other stuff just get be a good human right. and um and and you know that that landed and yeah dad I, I, we know whatever <laughs> you know but it lands yeah and so it's not that it's not that i'm i i have the i feel it feels you know it feels good that the things I've shared with them land. I just know that it, the way that Monica delivers it and the way that I delivered are just stylistically radically different. Right. She'll have a conversation for 45 minutes. I'll have <laughs> a conversation for 4.5 seconds. And, and I, and I kind of look at myself as a, as a, and I, and I just, I just know, I just know it landed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, and as time goes on, we'll get where I, I hope that we'll, you know, I have sort of this belief that it will, we will have more conversations. Right. And that's just doing the work, right? It's having the conversations. Right. Spending time. Right. Just sitting, you know, just spending the time, just making the time. Yeah. Making it the priority. Um, so if you had the opportunity to speak to a young father, and there's a fair number that actually listen to the podcast, I see... In my practice, anyway, as many men as I do women, which is a little bit unusual, and men are always asking me, um, you know, I don't, what, what should I do to make sure that my kids are okay? So uh, looking back, you have a lot of sort of thoughts and feelings about how you lived your life as a younger man. What would you tell young men now that are just beginning their lives as husbands and fathers? A bunch of stuff. Um, first, I would say the number one priority is the relationship with your wife and, the re- and where I say that from is, is having grown up in a family where the relationship was, was completely a mess. Um, I'm very, I'm very grateful that the boys have grown up in an environment that is really grounded. Um, I, to this day, am still grappling with on a daily basis how I am in the world and interact with people in, in business, in particularly in business, because that's most of my interactions, my uh, reactions, my discomfort, my um, overreactions, my underreactions, my lack of reactions, whatever it is. Like 
I can really see that correlation to growing up in an unstable world. So I really, I, I got, I felt like I got really good advice early on, which was the most important thing in your family is the, the relationship between you and your wife. So Patricia, my coach gave me that. Okay. And so that's part one is, is prioritizing that date night, every Friday night, um, prioritizing the relationship. And I think that it's, I really do believe it's okay that the kids see that the, the relationship between the father and the mother is the most important thing. Like that the kids aren't more important than the relationship. Because if you lose the relationship, everything right goes, falls apart. So I, I, I subscribe to that. Um, it's one way to look at it. And I, I believe it. I have seen it both. I've seen both sides. So part one is focus on the quality of the relationship date nights, et cetera, just focus. That's the most important relationship. It's okay that the kids come, come next. Okay. I do think that, um, the, the life moves so fast. Like now I can look back and I go, Whoa, where did that, that just happened. That if, if, if I could do it over or I could give somebody advice, I'd say, have plan that plan, just have it in the calendar, the time you're going to take off and take off that time, no matter what, and shut down entirely. And be it's just, present. Say it again. Be present. Be present. It's it, you're not you're not going to always be present, and and um, but when you do shut down, when you do carve out those windows of time, those are magic windows of time. Just don't let them be interrupted by work. Um, so, you know, when you're when you're schedule schedule those breaks, schedule those trips, schedule those times at home, and just take them really serious. Make make take them really serious and that that's something i would love to redo if i could redo life on that front do you tell your kids that you love them all the time so they hear it mm -hmm. and what about physical affection are you able to take them in your arms and let them know how much you love them yeah okay. so i'm assuming you would tell people to do that <laughs> i know it seems so like self-evident but i can't even tell you how many dads i know that they don't say they love they don't tell anybody they love them because they figure their actions speak at all my mm -hmm. dad what <laughs> your dad my dad yeah, I, yeah. I, he told me he loved me for the first time when he was like 70 mm. yeah mm. no I, I i tell the boys i love them all the time okay it's nice um i hug them and they're all awkward dad <laughs> yeah <shut up. laughs> um i could i i will say i could i could definitely hug them more for sure okay. you know somebody said to me early or somebody said to me my friend john anderson who's since passed away he said, um, pick up your kids until you can't pick them up anymore and pick them up as much as you can and hold them and carry them as long as you can because the day, there's, there will be a day and once that day hits that you can't carry them anymore, yeah. you will never pick them up again. And I remember him saying that to me and I'm just and the boys were young enough, luckily, so uh -huh. I have... Whether they remember it or not, there was a lot of time, you know, I would, right. I would think of John all the time, like yeah. uh -huh. pick them up, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's also like that Marcus Aurelius, the stoic that you and I are both a fan of, who says, when you say goodnight to your kids at night, pretend like you will never see them again. Yeah. And that's, it's sad and hard to do, but it's, it's really meaningful. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of that way in a lot of areas of my life right now, um, uh, with it's my last day. Well, that's great. Yeah. So, Seth, we're just about out of time, and I'm just curious. Any final words before we say thank you and let you go? Uh, that was the fastest uh, <laughs> conversation ever. <laughs> no, it, it's it's uh, yeah, it was fa it was it enjoyed the conversation, and I think that um, uh, hopefully people can grok something out of it for themselves. Sure, kind of meandering conversation, but not so I'd, much. It was very spot on. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I would just say that, yeah, I mean, I think kind of going back to your, your note about young, young fathers is, is it just moves fast. Really fast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and it, it's a cliche and you hear people say it. Um, so the only, the only, you know, now looking back, I just think the only, uh, thing I would have really done differently is taken, taken not not just Christmas off, not just uh, you know this holiday off, but really fight fight for your time and keep it sacred and block it off and let nothing interrupt it. 
because, uh, you know, the rest, we're giving our time, the rest of our lives time to everything else right. as if right. it's really important. And right. you get to this point, you realize none of it was important except for the thing that I didn't give time to. Right. So it's this real paradox and this idea that some, you know, it says someday my prince will come idea, which is someday I'll have more time. Someday right. I'll have more money. Someday I'll have more love. Yeah. Someday I'll have more words. Someday I'll have more. There is no someday. And so I think that would be the, the, you know, it, it's, it's just, if, if you don't put in the calendar now, if you don't cause it now, if you don't block it off now, it will not happen. And I can, I can, I can now look back and go, yep, that's exactly that's the truth. <laughs> that's exactly right. And uh, no amount of, um, you can't take it back. You can't, you can't, um, can't claw it back. So that's, that would be my last thought. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Any final words from you, Justine? No, I mean, the only thing I want to say is, and it's never too late to change. I mean, you're a testament to that. And, you know, we can we can make a change tomorrow to making better relationships and time with our families. And oh. all of us are guilty of that. And I think this is an important topic because I think so many struggle with what you're going through. And so thank you for coming on and being willing to talk about it. Yeah, thank you. Very good. All right. We appreciate our listeners and are interested in your comments and suggestions. Feel free to email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, please email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Uh